And it's 416 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I am quite pleased to have in the studio today Mr. Jim Enneman, because Mr. Enneman, former city councilor and uh, longtime Sioux Falls businessman, is running for mayor. Jim, thanks for coming in. You bet, Patrick. Thank you for inviting me. So you are a successful semi-retired businessman in Sioux Falls. You were on the council. You did your bit. Yeah. You've done, you've been in community organizations. You've, you've worked hard for Make-A-Wish and all these different things associated with J&L Harley. Why in the name of all that's holy would you want <laughs> to be mayor of Sioux Falls? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me that question. I bet. And, uh, you know, right now, quite honestly, I'm really in a position uh, with my life, with my business, with my family to be able to make this step. You know, um, a lot of discussion with my kids and, and with my wife. And, uh, you know, I think that I'm just in a position right now to commit the next eight years of my life to helping the city of uh, Sioux Falls continue to grow and be prosperous and create a good place for all of us to live. And so... You have been involved in a lot of stuff. Um, you were one of the leaders of the Event Center push. Yeah. That's that's probably one of your main accomplishments during your. Did you do a f two terms or just one? I did one term. On one the term on the council. council. Yes. Yep. Um, but that was a really uh, a primary focus for you and the council and everybody during that sure, time. That was a big deal. Um, despite all the kerfuffle over the siding. And what's your assessment of the facility now that it's up and running? Well, you know, I was involved in two task forces on the event center uh, prior to getting on the city council. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting the years that we, that year that we ran, all four of us that ran for the city council that got elected as well as the mayor, mm -hmm. all endorsed uh, the event center. And we all believed it was time to build the event center. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, I think the citizens uh, said that it was time to. And I think it was that way. It proved out that way because of the vote. Uh, I think it is probably one of the most important things that I accomplished when I was on the city council. Um, I was a pusher to get it done, to go for it right away. I, uh, there were a number of people that wanted to wait a year before we got it done. But, you know, economic times were a little bit tough back then. Yeah. And it looked like it was a great opportunity uh, because contractors were looking for jobs, right? Um, and it looked like it was one of those things that it made sense. I think we could get it paid for. Uh, the city owned the land. Um, and it promised to be a, a good investment. And quite honestly, I mean, if we sit back and look now at the number of people, the number of events that we've had, the sales tax dollars that we've collected because we've got that event center, it was the right time to build it. And uh, honestly, I, I think it was the right place to build it for the time that we did it in. We clearly needed it and had needed it for many Long years, year, but yeah. couldn't get it, get up off the right. deck. Um, and it's true that if if it would have been a couple, three years later, it would have been significantly more expensive because, as you point out... And harder to get built, too, yeah, by the way. It would have been tougher. Um, there's no doubt about that. It could have been done, but it would have been tougher and more expensive. Um, do you sincerely believe that it has added to the tax revenue? I mean, to me, those are kind of two different... We needed it. There's no question about that. We had to pay for it somehow. The state wouldn't let us mm -hmm. use any of the tools that other places get to use, so we had to do it all on our own. And, I mean, you know, Dave Munson tried and tried and tried to yeah. get that passed, and they shot him down. But do you – that's all true. But do you believe, honestly, that it actually has significantly contributed to extra sales tax revenue? 
Yeah, I do believe it has, quite honestly. For example, because revenue has not been great, as you no. know. No, well, we've had problems with revenue. There's no doubt about it. It's mm-hmm. been flat. Well, it's even flat and down for the whole state of South Dakota. Yep. So if it's down for the state of South Dakota, but if we're flat to maybe 1% ahead, mm-hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that it's been successful. If you look at some of the events that we've had, if you look at how many shows that Garth Brooks did, what, nine sold-out shows? 72 here shows. Event. I don't un- know what it was. Un- unbelievable. <laughs> Over a hundred and some thousand people. People saw his, yep. saw his show here, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the success of the Summit League and what they do and the number of people that they bring in it's and huge. the night's visits that they have, it's not just sales tax, but it's room tax. It's uh, those that are in retail that reap uh, some rewards from people coming and spending time in this town. You know, in Sioux Falls, unlike the rest of South Dakota, it's not about the tourism business because, right. honestly, for us, it's about the visitor business. And it's about trying to get people to stay more than one night, to stay multiple nights in this town, to enjoy the town. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's been a, a significant uh, success for us, and it has definitely added to the construction of additional hotels. Um, and a number of other things that have happened throughout the area. We're talking with Jim Miniman. He is a former city councilor and current candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April election. Um, let's, I want to talk about the siding just for a second. While we're talking about, I was going to do it later, but let's just do it now. Uh, this was all happened after you were off the council. Yeah. But did you agree with the secret settlement or the confidential settlement, as it's called, over the siding? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think what the uh, what the administration and what that team thought is that one of the avenues in negotiating was the ability to to have a confidential settlement. I believe that that's one of the tools that they thought that they had uh, in their toolbox at the time that maybe helped to facilitate it in their mind that it was done. Would I have done that? No, it was. I remember driving down uh, Western Avenue with Councilor Rex Rolfing, and Rex, lo- and I was on the city council at the time. Right. And Rex looking at that building, and he said, look at that. That siding is rippling. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I thought it was supposed to be that way, quite honestly. So did I. Yeah. I mean, I didn't <laughs> think it looked bad, right? I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea either. And he made that comment, and of course, there got to be some discussion going on. Um, and that discussion was going on when I was on the city council. But I do not know what the negotiations were. I don't know how they decided on the settlement. Uh, what well, you I wouldn't have if you were on the council. Yeah, right. I wouldn't have if I was on the council. But quite honestly, if I was in charge at that time, I don't think that I would have kept it. I would have been concerned about the way it looked and, and if it was adequate. And I believe using the citizens' money that that's something that we should have paid a little bit more attention to. Mm-hmm. And I think the settlement could have been said, hey, guys, we're willing to make a settlement, but we're going to let the people know what's happening. Um, I, I believe that I would have done it that way. So uh, I think the way the proceedings went, once the, they made their decision to do that, I mean, the Argus leader didn't like it. They took it to court. Mm-hmm. They won. The mayor released the information, right. right? That was a process that was set up. Yep. But I don't think I would have went that way. Do you, I mean, it's in the grand scheme of things, the, whether the siding is uh, rippling or not, um, you know, we need to find out whether right. it's, if, it, what the results of this next report are. Uh, and it's, it, is a, it is a minuscule little piece of a very large project. But do you think it's, it sort of has, not tainted, but 
you know, it's a little side note stain to what has otherwise been a pretty successful operation. Yeah, unfortunately, it is one of those things. You're right. It is a stain. It is something that happened. It's unfortunate it happened, uh, and we would have been better off if it didn't. But I don't think that it, it, it should take away from what the success of that event center has been. Uh, it has been a big success for the community. It's been a big success for that area right around there, too. Well, uh, I mean, that's another question. We haven't seen a lot. No, we haven't, yet. but it has. But, but I think private individuals, private companies have got to step up and get involved with this, right? Mm-hmm. I think an entertainment district was declared by Mayor Huther and, right. and by his ta- team, and they're willing to put some effort forward. I, we do have a brand new hotel and a lounge and stuff that are being built. Right, across the street. Uh, exactly. I think, you know, there's very limited space in that area for other development. There's not much land that the city owns around no, there. No, it's we, in we, the hands of private ownership. It is. Or... You know, I know the I know the mayor's office has been working, trying to get uh, possession of the Naval Reserve Center, the old mm-hmm. one that's been abandoned now. I know the jail is, you know, they're they're working on building a new jail, and then once that's done, I'm assuming maybe uh, the, the city would kick in a little more for the jail. You never know. That's a discussion <laughs> that somebody's got to have, but it's not my discussion right now, man. Not, not yet. Not no. yet. Um, we are going to come back right after the news and talk more with Jim Eneman. He is a former city councilor he is a semi-retired uh businessman and i can say semi because i know you're hanging out there you can't. well i have to hang out yeah. there. it's been my life for 40 some years <laughs> that's man. right and uh current mayor mayoral candidate will come right back after this this is the patrick lally show on information 1000 ksoo hi this is Ch- 432 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo and we are continuing to chat with mayoral candidate, former city councilor, semi-retired businessman, <laughs> Jim Eneman. You keep throwing that at I, me, Patrick. I do, because I, I just want to warn everybody over at JNL that you're probably coming back later today, right? <laughs> no, I think I might skip out today. Oh, okay. That's probably good. So yeah. tell me, what have you been doing on the campaign trail? Obviously, yep. this, is, this whole thing with the mayor's races is starting way earlier than it used to. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. declared already, and that used to didn't happen until after the first of the year. Yeah. So- have you, did you just launch into this earlier? Have you gone whole hog? What have you been doing? Well, you know, I was very fortunate. You know, you and I have been talking a little bit about our lives and about business and up in the North End. Right? Yeah. 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 It's kind of fun to touch base on that stuff again. But, you know, I actually worked with my secession plan for my kids for over 10 years. Wow. And that came to fruition the first of this year. So in reality, in, in uh, March, when we declared our candidacy, I, I did per- pretty much totally retire from uh, from the business my sons have assumed all the operations of it and my brother and i have retired of course uh, my customers are my friends and uh, so we continue to ride motorcycles and have fun and and of course i've got to go up to the store to check in on the boys to make mm-hmm. sure they're s- still able to p- give me a paycheck right so yeah. do you think they put some sort of like monitoring device on your car so they know when you're you know coming? i think they did i'll be <laughs> honest with you i think they did but that being said you know it's it's something that i've really looked forward to doing for a long time um, and like I said, I'm, I'm ready to make the commitment for the city of Sioux Falls to, I think we got a great community. I love this community. I love where we live. Um, and, and, and I do believe that, you know, I'd like to help lead us for the next eight years mm-hmm. in the direction of be a pro- progressive community, continue to look at ways that we can grow, um, and continue to look at ways that we can continue to provide for our citizens in the community, give us a good place to live. You know, the heart of America, as Terry Schmidt says, uh, that's what we are here in Sioux Falls. And I truly believe believe that but that being said we're working hard on the campaign we're getting out we're meeting and greeting a lot of people of course we've got to raise a little bit of money you Mm -hmm. know to to look at this campaign as we really get going after the first of the year how much money do you think you need because you know the uh huther's 
Mike Uther's first election, uh, it, that really kind of elevated the level. They always go up. They never yeah, go down. they always do. But that elevated the level of spending in the race. I mean, how much do you need to run for mayor these well, days? Legitimately. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. People can figure it out for themselves what they think they need to do. But you, you do got to get your message out there to people. And, and I do plan to do a door-to-door campaign here, too, after the first year. We're going to mm-hmm. start walking and talking to different people out on the street. Um, and we, we need to get the message out there. Um, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people in Sioux Falls that know who I am, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily know where I came from or what I really believe in mm-hmm. and, and uh, how hard I truly want to work for the citizens of Sioux Falls. So I'm looking forward to the opportunity. And, um, you know, you said, like you said, we've got about eight candidates running for mayor now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. We might see one or two more drop in here before we have to file our petitions. Everybody says that, but I've, I'm, I, I've been waiting for the, 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 <laughs> ni- the ninth shoe to drop, as we like to say. Um, let, I, w- I just want to touch on one thing with the event yeah. center before we, we we go on. As I said, you were very involved with it. Yes. Um, is there anything that you would do differently that you wish you would have been able to do with the event center that either wasn't possible monetarily, politically? I mean, well, you know, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, early on, I was very much a proponent to put it downtown when I first when I first started to get involved with that. Yep. But the reality soon set in that hey, unless the railroad moved, it wasn't going to happen, right? Right. Um, and uh, I really thought that we needed to get it done sooner than later, Patrick. And I think the political climate at the time um, that we went ahead and we got it done really proved to be be good the number of people that showed up for the election it was a record uh number of folks it mm-hmm. turned out you know over 55 percent of the people voted for the event center uh it was a significant win for the community of sioux falls um and even today it's kind of funny you know you talk to people out there and and i can't really see too many not too many people out there say they didn't vote for it anymore <laughs> yeah, uh, right. and just about everybody we know uh has uh, attended a show out there yeah. um so i think we've been very fortunate as a community it made sense to do it and we got it done and and uh, now we need to look to the future and what we need to do uh, for this for this community as we go forward. We're talking with Jim Enneman. He is a mayor for can- candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls. The election is April 10th, first round, runoff May 1, and there will be a runoff, right? Well, that's what we're, th- that's what we're planning on. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. I would now. think so with eight people. Uh, and, you know, it's a pretty Unless good... Unless I'm lucky enough to get 50% yeah. plus one vote, man. That would be... That would that'd be <laughs> impressive. Um, <laughs> one... What do you think about the baseball stadium? I mean, not to stay on facilities, but uh, there's discussion now that maybe we need that room for parking, uh, build a new baseball stadium somewhere else, maybe downtown, but somewhere else. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I've had a lot. I've heard a lot of people throw that out there too. I know the city does have a pretty good investment in the facility that we have right now. Mm-hmm. There's also some contracts out there for that facility. Yeah, it needs um, some work right now. Yeah, I know that needs some work, but also, you know, the uh, there's a contract for a team using that place that's that's oh, uh, sure. that extends for a little bit of time. I think, you know, it's something that we need to look at. You know, I, I hear the mayor's got a, uh, I read in the newspaper, the mayor's got a group looking at the arena, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what what should be done in that area too, to the arena. Uh, I heard that report should come to us for the first of the year. You know, I'm not against looking at uh, other places for a baseball field or or what's the use of that baseball field as we go forward. It's something we'd have to look at. I'm not in a position right now to decide okay. or to make a decision what to do. And now, mercifully, we're going to move on to a new subject. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about transportation. Anytime you, and you know this from being involved in the community for so long, anytime you see a list of needs in our community mm-hmm. for whether it's 
low income, middle income, whatever. It's transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are several elements to this, but first of all, the bus system, there's talk about making a grid or what do we need to do to our bus system to make it better? Well, I think the first thing was just done. I know I was downtown when they had the ribbon cutting for the new bus depot downtown. Mm-hmm. And very nice facility, um, and it, it really tends to some of the needs of our of our of our citizens that have special needs out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very happy to see that there's a bike repair station yeah. there, yep. which is kind of cool. Privately donated, by yeah, the way. and that's yep. fantastic. You know, um, so that's the first step in it. I know there's been some complaints about some of the routes not extending to certain areas of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when we were on this, when I was on the city council before, huge discussions um, about paratransit and how that fits into everything. And do you think that that paratransit discussion, because they get joined together, now they are together in concept, but the FIC system and the paratransit system have completely different uh challenges very true and really the do paratransit have. discussion while important seems to get us away from the issue of mass transit for yeah. everybody and and i think that's something that we need to continue to have some dialogue on i know there's been some effort to bring different groups of people together to see how that paratransit and mass transit can come together i do know that we that we need to look at where we're going to expand some of our our uh, bus routes i i know down in some the southeast part of town there's some there's areas, no some challenges there's there. no buses on yeah. the southeast and part on the town. west part of town there's some challenges too as right. far as the reach of those yep i know they're they've been looking at that and trying to figure out what to do i'll be honest with you i'm not totally versed on it but mm-hmm. i do believe it's something we need to continue with and how is it going to best serve the citizens and what is the, the 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 most efficient way of getting it done i agree with you we need to continue to look at it um Sometimes it becomes just a money issue. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see it as just a money issue? Not just a money issue, no. Because sometimes there's just, and I think it's proven out to this point, that it's just the right thing to do as far as providing services, right? But it's not a social service. No, it's not a social service. But you know, it, it, it's always going to have to have some kind of subsidy because it does not pay for itself. Um, what what does pay for itself though? One of the things that people talk about all the time, and I've had city planners in here saying this, is everybody thinks that growth pays for itself. That every time the city gets bigger, that the development taxes all pays for itself, but it doesn't. No, because so, you've got expenses in police and a number of other things that go out there. What pays for itself is the enterprise funds that we do have, like the like our. Uh, like the dump that we have, right? Mm-hmm. That pays for itself. Our water and sewer with our rates, we pay for our water and sewer. Mm-hmm. You know, the the parking downtown, whether it's lot parking or whatever, we're very fortunate it's that we've been able fees. to pay for that. So yep. we do have the enterprise funds that are pretty much self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. But you're right, as a city begins to grow and you have to put in the streets and you have to maintain those streets, mm-hmm. there is an expense to that and that's what the tax dollar goes to pay and for. Isn't transportation just like streets and sewer lines and everything else. Public transportation, especially today, the demand for public transportation is increasing. Yep. No doubt about it. So that is some service that we have to do. But you, as you also mentioned, the paratransit service that we have is very, very expensive. It is. And it serves a great group of people here. So it is a very fine balance, balancing act of what the responsibilities are for the city. And the fact so as get, we study yep. more of it, I agree. We need to look at more of it, and we need to look at expanding the bus system. We do. The fact is you don't get any help from the state. We... Nope. Uh, Let's, zero, let, let's zero, look at it this zero. way. In the city of Sioux Falls, if we're going to get something done, we're going to have to get it done ourselves. Yes, which is different from the way it is a lot of other places, but we're going to move on. Um, actually, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk more with Jim Eneman, 
uh, who is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls. We're going to talk a little bit about roads, sales tax revenue, and some stuff. Sounds this good. Is, this is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Hi, folks. Chad here from the Main Street Cafe. 446 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are going to go to lightning round here with Jim Eneman, candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April election. We've been bouncing around on some topics. Uh, Jim, so public safety, we were just talking about it. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big issue. Do you believe that Sioux Falls has, is less safe than it was when you were growing up and I was growing up? Really? Is it less safe? Well, I think back when you and I were growing up, we were the problem, Patrick. Yeah, that might have been true. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> yeah, no let, let's just move on from okay, that because we'll I don't want to get into any details. No, so here, here, here's what I think. I think that, that there are more challenges out there today just because of the world that we live in, okay? Uh, our community has grown, and anytime you get growth, um, new problems do come, okay? And, and things do change. Um, I think we've got a great police department here, and I think that they've done a fantastic job. Uh, with the resources that they have. I know when I talk to people out on the streets, safety is an issue for a lot of people. Um, But do you think, and this is the point I often want to make, sometimes people, um, yeah, we all want to be safe. That's a a basic city function. But do you think that sometimes folks right now are overblowing the changes, okay? Is there a danger in associating everything that is every crime, everything that people perceive as bad as something that came into our city, whether it's immigrants or just people from other cities or because of the growth, you know, it's, Oh, it's all these people who have come here. That's why it's not what it used to be. You know, in everybody's business or in, in in any organization there is, we call them one percenters or two percenters, right? There's always a 1% or 2% of every organization of every, of every group of people out there that are bad people, right? It's always been that way. Mm-hmm. Our community is just larger today. Um, and of course, the internet, you know, what we see on the, on the news and, and, yep. the, and, the new, and the fake news that we get and everything right. that goes along with that just creates a sense of angst and, and, and people, especially parents, you know, get a little, you know, you hear about all the bad stuff that's happening. And of course, we wanna be protective of our kids and our grandkids. Um, it, as a percentage, are things worse today than, than when we were kids? Probably not. Uh, but I think things are just blown up so much more because of the different media venues and stuff that we have today, right? But we do have to ensure that our local police department, our local um, fire rescue people do have the tools to be successful mm-hmm. in their job. And they need the support of the city and uh, of its citizens. And I think we've got a great community. And our, and our community here supports our police department, our sheriff's department, and all of those first responders that we have out there. Do we have enough police? Sometimes You never have enough. You never have enough, Patrick. Uh, but I think that the, our our chief in the department and the administration has done a pretty good job with 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 the force that we do have. You know, training a police officer takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. and of course, it's a career for them. And sometimes they don't think it's their career, and we we've spent a lot of time and money training them, and they decide it's not for them, and mm-hmm. they move on. You know, some of the new young guys. But it's something that we have to continue to do. We're all looking for new employees in our businesses. You only have to look at the school district numbers based on uh, which I talked a lot about and, and the superintendent's been in here. That, And I don't mean to get drag you into school issues, but when you look at the free and reduced lunch mm-hmm. numbers at each of the elementary schools, what you see is this balkanization of the city and a growing divide between uh, well people who are well off and, and people who are under the poverty level. 
Is there anything the city can do in terms of this, the clustering? We, are, we have clusters of poor people where you've got schools that are 100% free and reduced lunches and schools that are 15% free mm-hmm. and reduced lunch. That's a clear divide. Is there anything the city should be worried about? And can the, is there anything the city should do about that? Well, I know when the city does look at development, when they look at needs for affordable housing and uh, different kinds of housing, they don't cluster things. They try to spread it out throughout our whole, uh, throughout the whole city, right? The different types of housing and stuff that we have. I know they make an effort to do that. Uh, of course, you can't force people to to live in areas that they don't want to live either or where they feel comfortable about living. You know, you talk about the immigrant population that's coming into our community. These folks are coming here because of the opportunities that we provide them, right? Um, my ancestors, my grandfather, my great-grandfather came over from Germany. He moved right into here, right into Sioux Falls, and he never knew how to speak English at all. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so we all came from different places. We honestly did. So what we can do as a city, and, and uh, we can facilitate this at the mayor's office, is that we can bring groups of people together and we try to figure out how we can take the best of all of our cultures and blend it in. And we're going to do nothing but get better if we're able to do that. And there's a lot of organizations in the city that are working on that. I know the city is involved and they've got some initiatives along the same line. And they take a lot of heat for it. You know, they take heat for it, but we got to keep working at it because yeah. we're better than uh, those areas that reject the immigrants coming in. We truly are better than that here. So we need to work at it and it is work. Um, but these folks that move in here, they want to be part of this community. And, you know, it might be the second or third generation before we're able to really get everybody assimilated in here. But it's worth the effort. We need to continue to do it. Um, you and I grew up two blocks apart. I just was thinking about this as we were talking earlier. Would you move back up to the north end? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. In yeah. fact, a lot of times I'm looking at some of the houses that are up there, and I keep remind, looking at some of these older homes that are up there and just mm-hmm. thinking about that. Would I have a problem moving anywhere in this city? No, I wouldn't have, Patrick. But you and I have lived here forever, um, uh, and I just wouldn't have it. You know, yeah. I've been very fortunate. Sioux Falls has been very good to me. Uh, I made a good living for it, but, uh, but I also believe in giving back to this community, as you spoke to earlier. And I believe in that. Com- I, I still go up into the North End and walk around and stuff. I don't have a problem with it. No. I always tell people Terrace Park was a lot worse in the 70s than it is now. Yes, it was. Um, sales tax grow- revenue is yeah. not what it used to be. Right. Uh, Mayor Huther says we need to focus on roads and infrastructure. Yeah. Is that the correct approach? Well, first of all, we got to have great infrastructure in or- if the city's going to continue to grow. And we got to keep up on the needs and the repair of that. And fortunately, we do have those enterprise funds that deal with the water and the sewer. Mm-hmm. Streets, yeah, we've got to spend money on streets and keep them good. If there's one thing I've learned, people like clean streets in the wintertime. They like snow off of the streets and they don't like potholes in the spring. But do we have bad roads in Sioux Falls? No, our roads overall aren't bad. What we have is a very short construction season. Right. Right. That's the issue that we have. And but a brutal you ride, winter. But yeah. you know what it's like to ride a bicycle and... And, and hit a pothole or a groove in a road. And I know what it's like to do the same thing on a motorcycle. Right. And it's not fun. No, it's not fun. But people seem to have an outsized uh, uh, idea that the roads are terrible here. The roads are terrible. I hear it all the time. And I'm like, I don't see these bad roads. What are you talking about? Yeah, the city's got a really good plan. And Mark Cotter and the team down there, they do a great plan of identifying the city where we need to go in to do a chip and overlay. Uh, they also identify where we need to do some massive rebuilding and they try to cycle through a life cycle on these streets to get it done. Now, potholes are always going to develop because ice is terrible Mm -hmm. as we know, and you're always going to have issues like that. And they like to address those things on a temporary basis. And they depend on us, the citizens to give them a call and let them know when there are some issues with it. But if we're going to grow, you know, you got to look at where our sewer is because honestly, Mm -hmm. 
wherever the sewer is, that's the direction we're going to grow. And we have know. expanded the sewer quite a bit. We've expanded it going east, but mm-hmm. going west, we've reached we've reached the point of no return now. There's mm-hmm. not much more we can do going west. Mm-hmm. So we need to look at all that infrastructure, and, and I can't wait till I get an opportunity to get in there and look at all of it and see what we can do is from a planning standpoint, for a long-term planning standpoint. I was going to ask you more about transparency. We're out of time. Yeah. We, there's so many other issues that we could get into, we, and we will. Um, uh, for, with all the candidates, people should know these are not the only time I will be talking to mayoral candidates. But, Jim Miniman, thanks for coming in for the, uh, the first round of interviews. Patrick, as always, I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 